Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. One thing I thought of, Amy, um, is that uh, we love children here. We think children are awesome, and we love to hear the sounds. I was with the, the West County Ministerial today, which is Hythe, Valhalla, Wembley, Beaver Lodge, kind of this whole area of pastors, and uh, we were talking about how our churches are doing, and many of them were talking about how we have an aging congregation. We're kind of worried what's going to happen in the next five or ten years with our congregation, and, uh, and I said, we, we have a young congregation. We have some older people in our congregation, which is fantastic. We have some younger people in our congregation, which is fantastic. And I told the ministerial, I said, I often tell my congregation that we are so thankful that we have the sound of children in our church. And all the other pastors just went, oh, we would long to be interrupted by crying children. How wonderful that would be. Because it is. It's a thing that we are thankful for. So we are thankful for children. We're excited that children are here. And we also know as a parent, sometimes that might make you a little anxious if your kid is getting a little squirrely. So we have a couple of options for you. If, if you're good, we're good. If they're screaming like crazy, maybe that might be a good chance to do something. But we really love the sound of children in the congregation. But we do have a kind of a quiet room right there uh, where you can watch the service and hear the service and your kids can be a little noisier. Uh, we also have a nursery downstairs. The nursery is not manned today. It is manned by you, so if you as a parent want to take your kids down there, you can have your kids kind of running around in the nursery, and you can watch the service on the screen. Uh, last Sunday, apparently, there were like three or four families down there, which is fantastic. So uh, whatever works for you, we're happy with that. Just know that we are super excited that we have children in our service. It is a blessing. Well, today's a good day. My name's Greg Clark. I'm uh, one of the other pastors that's here, and it's my privilege to uh, come to you today and bring the word of the Lord. Well, as we meet together um, this month, uh, we've been asking the question about Sabbath. So just a real quick question for you, not to answer out loud, but just to contemplate, how is your Sabbath going? How is that going this month? How has it been going forward for you? What have you been learning? Just contemplate that as we enter into our last message on Sabbath. Um, as Pastor Amy mentioned, uh, we've been doing uh, a series of four uh, Sundays on Sabbath. We've been talking about it on our small groups. We've been trying to enter in as best as we can. So if you're new here today, if this is if you're visiting today and uh, you, you are trying to get into this, hopefully this is good for you as well. If you don't know what Sabbath is, well, this is a fantastic day to show up because we're going to be talking about Sabbath. If you think you know what Sabbath is, well, this is a fantastic day to show up because we're going to be talking about some different aspects of Sabbath that might be different than what you've normally viewed uh, as, as Sabbath. Now, when we talk about Sabbath, that, that practice that we have of honoring the day of the week that God has set apart as holy, what are we actually talking about? For many, Sabbath occurs on a Sunday. That's a normal thing. And here's what Sabbath Sunday usually looks like for Western Christians. We stay up late on Saturday night watching Netflix or something else, 
Or we go out with our friends late into the evening, we eat too much food, we, we indulge in dessert, we fill ourselves up with potato chips or other kind of snacks, and we finally fall into bed maybe at one or two in the morning perhaps. I don't go to bed that late. Sometimes people go to bed that late. And then on Sunday morning, we groggily kind of stir ourselves and get up out of bed. Now, normally on a weekday, we would be able to get up and out of bed and showered and ready for work by 8 a.m. But Sunday morning, for some reason, Sunday morning, we barely make it out of the door in time to make it to church before church starts, rushed, frustrated, maybe in a bit of a haze. After church, sometimes we go shopping or we watch uh, the football game or baseball game or a hockey game or some kind of a game on TV. We work around the house or, or we get our last-minute fall chores done in the yard. Maybe we get ahead on our emails or maybe we start thinking about work Monday morning. We start to plan out our week. We meal prep or we catch up on homework or if we're in school or we do whatever. Later in the day, we possibly turn the TV on again, try to catch up on Netflix again, and we try to, try to watch something else, fill our time with something else, and then we collapse into bed feeling a little empty from just another unintentional day. Now, to clarify, this is not Sabbath. While it takes place on Sunday, it's not what the Lord intended for Sabbath. Now, don't start to feel condemned or ashamed here because I'm really kind of describing my own day. So maybe it describes your day a little bit too. But this is common. This is common to us in, the, in Western society now. This is what we do for Sabbath. It's what people from John Mark Cormer's church, he's the guy who kind of helped to lead this series for us, it's, it's what people from John Mark Cormer's church have taken to calling Sab-ish. It's kind of Sabbath, it's ish, it's Sab-ish. Have you ever asked someone, how was your Sabbath? Likely not. It's not something we normally do. We don't go to work on Monday morning and talk to our friends and say, hey, how was your Sabbath? But we might say, like, how was your weekend? And, and we might describe our weekend, oh, my weekend was good, I got to sleep in. Uh, maybe, I, maybe you describe going to church, maybe you describe some kind of a spiritual life, um, but you'd probably tell your friend, I caught up on laundry, organized my garage, did some fencing, drove my kids to hockey, fed the cows, plucked the chickens, bawed the sheep, and then I binged all of season three of whatever the show of the day was while sitting on my couch. See, that's what sabbish is. So the question is, is that really what God has invited us into? Is, is this what God intended when he said, I'm going I'm to give you the Sabbath because it's going to bring you life? Is this what God intended, what we've, we're currently experiencing as Sabbath? Well, there's four movements to the Sabbath. We've been talking about this all month. There's four movements, stop, rest, delight, and worship. In our final teaching today, we come to what is arguably the most important of all four. The Sabbath is a day for worship. So where does this idea come from? Well, let's go back. We've been reading through the book of Genesis, so let's go back one more time to look at Genesis chapter 2. And here's what's written in Genesis chapter 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. 
Now notice that God did two things with the Sabbath here. Notice he did two things. God blessed the seventh day. Now we covered this last week. We talked about the word barak, and the word barak is the word that's being used here as blessed, and it can also be translated as to make happy. So God made the Sabbath a happy day. The Sabbath is blessed. It's life-giving. It's what we do to regain some of our life. But look at what, God, what else God did with the Sabbath. God also made it holy. God made it holy. Now, the word holy for us might seem like a very religious term. It's a very religious word. But I want you to stay with me for a moment because the word holy means way more than what we normally think of. In the ancient world, the gods were found in the world of space, not, not of time, right? The, the word of, like, maybe not outer space, but the space that we occupy, meaning they were found on a holy mountain. So if you wanted to, to meet Zeus, or if you wanted to meet one of the gods, you would go to, to Mount Olympus, this place where the gods inhabited, or you, or you would find a god in a temple where, where the, the temple of Artemis, you would go there to find the god Artemis in the temple, or you would go deep into a holy cave in the middle of nowhere to find God. Uh, because of this, the, the, the early peoples would have expected the real God to make a really holy place, like not just maybe a mountain, not just a temple, but like a big place, a big place where the God of all gods, the, the creator of the universe would reside, some place that people who really wanted to know the true God could go to find the true God. But instead, God makes a holy day. Not a holy place, a holy day. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel called the Sabbath architecture in time. And he said the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. What is amazing about our God, the one true creator God, is that the entire cosmos is his temple. There is nowhere that God is not. God is everywhere. God is here. God is there. God is everywhere. So if you want to find the real God, you don't need to climb a a mountain or travel to a shrine. He is here. We just need to stop. And wherever we are, if we take the time to pause for a moment, we can become aware of the presence of God right here. In this space, because we take the time to recognize Him. The Sabbath is a holy space in time. Now, in Hebrew, the word holy is kadosh, which I think is a great word. I think it's kadosh. It just sounds really fun, right? Kadosh. Say it with me kadosh. Okay, we're doing one more time. Okay, one, two, three, kadosh. Isn't that good? It's just really fun. Sounds like what you do when you squish something. I don't know. It's good. Okay. But it literally means unique or special or uncommon. A theological definition for the word holy would be set aside for God's special purposes. We tend to think of holiness as kind of a moral descriptor. That if someone is really good, that they are holy. And in a sense, this is somewhat 
true. It kind of goes along with goodness. Uh, Throughout Scripture, holiness and goodness and righteousness, they're all used side by side with each other. But holiness isn't just morality. We're not just talking about good and evil when we talk about holiness. In the Old Testament, there are holy pots and pans. There are holy candlesticks. There's holy utensils that are used in the tabernacle. But a fork can't be morally good or evil, but it can be set apart for God's special purposes. For example... Farrell and I were gifted um, a set of fine china when we got married. Probably many of you have these things somewhere up in your cupboards, or you might, be, you might have a china cabinet where they've got this cabinet where you can see all this beautiful china that nobody will ever touch, these plates and dishes and cups that are set apart that are not meant to be used for everyday use. We, we, we pull these things out at Christmas, at Easter, at Thanksgiving, when we have special guests over. We'll pull our, our china out. We won't put our normal plateware out. We'll pull our china out to show that we are honoring the people that are there, to show that this day is a special day. These plates and dishes are set apart for special use. In the same way that our china is set apart from our regular dishes, like our regular dishes are for like normal stuff, but our china is set apart. In the same way that our china is set apart, the Sabbath day is set apart from the rest of the week. The the Sabbath is holy. It's, It's for special use only. But for what special use is the Sabbath set apart? I guess a better question would be for whom? For whom is the Sabbath set apart? Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 16. In Exodus chapter 16, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and here's what he says. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So take what you want to bake, so bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil. He's saying, do that today. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. He says, take the food that you're going to make for tomorrow and prepare it today. Get it ready today because tomorrow is supposed to be a special day. Do your work today. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather bread, but they found none. You guys know this story. This is the story of the Israelites. God provided manna, this bread that would appear every morning, and six days in a row it would appear on the ground. They'd go out and gather enough for that day, but on the sixth day they were supposed to gather twice as much, cook it, bake it, boil it, do whatever they want to do with it, because on the seventh day, it was not going to be there. So nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather that bread, that manna, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. I love that. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days, so the people rested on the seventh day. You, you see what's going on here. See, the Israelites have just come out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Generationally, they were slaves. Year after year, generation after generation, they were slaves, 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 and it had become part of their DNA. They were slaves in their core. And they worked seven days a week. They worked seven days a week. But now, now God is saying of them, you are my children. 
You are no longer slaves. And part of their training was to have Sabbath rest, to take a break, to stop, to rest, to delight, to worship. But they had a tough time trusting God to be their father. They had a tough time trusting God to be their father. The Sabbath was meant as a blessing to teach the children to rely on their father. I want you to notice in this passage a phrase, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Yes, the Sabbath was given to the Israelites, but it was also a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And that, that section, that phrase can be translated set apart for the Lord or dedicated to the Lord. Now we're talking about the Sabbath here, but the children, the children were also set apart for the Lord. How many times do you see in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were set apart for God? They were a people who belonged to God. They were his portion, his prize, his beloved possession. Now he says that about us too, which is really cool. As we get into the New Testament, God says this is about us too. So I want us to be thinking, as we think about what God was training the Israelites for, he's also training us for. The children were holy. They were set apart for God's special purposes. And they needed to learn to live with a day that was holy. A holy people who were set apart living for a day that was set apart. The Sabbath is an entire day that is set aside. Not just for rest or celebration, which it is, but ultimately for God. For their father to show the world that they also were a people set apart for God. The Sabbath is meant to be set apart for God. Put another way, the Sabbath is meant for a day for us to enjoy God and worship Him. Now, a lot of us hear the word worship and we think of singing, which we just did, which was wonderful. And singing is a part of worship. But worship is so much more. In the biblical sense, to worship is to intentionally focus our entire lives around God, our Creator, to center ourselves on Him. Worship is to lay our entire life before our God in love and to deepen our surrender to His love, to know that we are loved and to love Him because we belong to God. One way to do this is, of course, through worship by singing, but there are so many other ways. When we give our time, when we serve, when we give our resources, when we tithe, when we give our attention and our affection to God, when we turn our faces to Him, when we yield our will over to Him, we are worshiping. Anything we do to place God at our center and to direct our heart and love to His glory or to focus on His goodness or to look to Him is a form of worship. Yes, Sabbath is a day to stop and rest and refill our tank. It's a, it's a day of delight. It's a day to celebrate. But above all, Sabbath is a day to contemplate the good news that God has given us His life in His Son, Jesus. And now it is our joy, because we have received from Him such great love, it is our joy to turn back over to Him our lives in worship. Sabbath is a day to connect with God. And that is what God intended for these slave-minded Israelites. And that is what God has intended for the slave-minded us. To turn our lives over to Him. 
This is the final and most important movement of Sabbath in our month. It is the movement of worship. Now, there's a progression that we go through on Sabbath. There's a progression that we go through, and we've walked through this progression this month. The first, when we come to Sabbath, the first thing we do is we just stop. So I want you to just stop with me for a moment. So we're going to stop, and I want you just to take a breath. And I want you to settle into your seat, and we're going to take a moment to rest. I want you to take another breath. And now as we've stopped and we've rested, and maybe we begin to feel life kind of coming to our body a little bit, we begin to celebrate. So I want you to just, just smile. Just smile. Look to your neighbor and just smile. Can you see this progression? When you, when, you, when you are hurting and you stop and you breathe and you rest and you breathe, and this delight begins to well up within you and you smile because now you've stopped and you've rested and you can begin to delight. And as we begin to delight, we, we almost certainly begin to feel this almost spontaneous worship begin to come within us. This gratitude, this praise, this wonder, this awe at the goodness of our God. When we intentionally build this day to be in the presence of God, we often find ourselves in a space where we stand before God and we just say, Oh God, thank you. Thank you. You're so good. You're so good. Look at this creation you've made. Look at the people you've made. Look at the things you've done. You are blessed. You've blessed me beyond blessing. You are good. You are good. You are good. And this praise begins to well up within us because we've given ourselves space to praise. Ruth Haley Barton in her chapter on Sabbath in the book Sacred Rhythms writes this. She says, I know what it's like to rest for hours until I have the energy to delight in something, a good book, a good food, a good book, a leisurely walk, a long-awaited conversation with someone I love. I know what it's like to feel joy and hope and peace flow back into my body and soul, though I had thought it might never come again. I know what it's like to see my home and my children through the Sabbath eyes of enjoyment. I know what it's like to have rest turn into delight and delight turn into gratitude and gratitude into worship. This is one of the many reasons that, that for, for many of us and for many people for, for a thousand years or more now, Sabbath has been on a Sunday morning. Sabbath has been on a Sunday because this is the day that we gather together to worship. It's the day that we gather together to praise. And as we gather together as God's people and we worship and we praise, we feel the life of God come back into us. We're re-centered on God and we're able to face the rest of our week because we've centered ourselves on God. The problem is that in recent years, this idea of rest and Sabbath have been disconnected. They've been separated, but they were intended to go together. Tragically, the, the Sabbath has been co-opted by the weekend. From a, from a day of, of, of stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping to just a day off. Sunday's just a day off. And for some, it's not even a day off. 
This is where we failed. The Sabbath is holy, but we have to intentionally keep it holy. In the Ten Commandments, we read in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Jewish people who take this seriously, they talk about practicing, they don't talk about practicing the Sabbath, they talk about keeping the Sabbath, meaning there is a work to be done to make sure that this day is holy. It's not just about showing up one day and saying, I'm going to practice today. It's about the intention of the entire week to set apart this day that is on its way and keep it holy. The Jewish people call this sanctifying the day or setting apart the day. They treat it as special and unique. Their week is oriented towards making sure that that day is set apart. So we can, we can either sanctify the Sabbath, we can intentionally keep it holy, or we can, in the language of Scripture, profane it. Meaning we can devalue it, dishonor it, treat it like just any other day, a day for doing just whatever we feel like doing. Maybe ask yourself the question, do I keep the Sabbath holy or do I profane it? And we're not wanting to guilt trip anybody here, so hold that lightly. But ultimately, this isn't just about a day. This isn't about one day. This is about our whole life. Because as goes the Sabbath, so go our lives. The Sabbath is a day of worship, which helps us to cultivate a life of worship. We are the children of God. He is our Father. How do we keep on going without celebrating that, that we are the children of our Father? Are our lives holy? Are they set apart for and dedicated to God? Is our life holy? Or have we profaned our life, just kind of treated it as common, as just this relationship we have with our God? It really doesn't matter. It's just nothing. Now, my aim here, again, is not to guilt trip anybody. This is not meant to be a me saying, hey, if you don't show up on Sunday morning at the right time and be here to do what needs to be done, then you are profaning the day. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to guilt trip you into to following a certain set of spiritual disciplines or making sure that Sunday is treated in a certain way. I'm not trying to do that. My purpose for you is just to open up the thought of Sabbath. And to lay before you an idea that the ancient Jewish people understood that the Sabbath and the commands of God, the things that God set out for us, were not meant to kind of make rules so that we would be smacked every time we went outside of the rules. The purpose for all of these things, especially the Sabbath, is to give us life. The purpose of the Sabbath for, that God was giving to the people, the, the Sabbath made for man, not man for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was meant to give us life. Alternatively, disregarding the Sabbath brings death. It brings death. One of the arguments that we have with the Sabbath is whether or not this, this command is still legally binding for believers. Keeping the Sabbath, after all, is an Old Testament command that was given thousands of years ago, a command that Jesus doesn't actually repeat in the New Testament. But look at what Moses said of the commandments. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. For the Israelites, the Sabbath was life or death because it identified them as the children of God. It connected them with their creator. 
Now, even though Jesus did not repeat the Sabbath commandment, we see Sabbath practices in the life of Jesus. Moments that he sets apart to spend time with his heavenly Father. Every time Jesus got busy, he would go off and be with his heavenly Father again. Every time things got super, super hard, he would go off and spend more time with his heavenly Father. Jesus lived a lifestyle of Sabbath where he identified with the Father and came back to the Father again and again and again to make sure that the Father was his center. And keeping the Sabbath is arguably, arguably just as important as not lying or stealing or killing. It may even be more important. I suggest to you that keeping the Sabbath is of life and death importance. We, we look around and we know that our culture is killing itself through overwork, overconsumption, overactivity. We are, as Neil Postman famously said, amusing ourselves to death. Few things are as desperately needed as the recovering of the ancient practice of Sabbath. Theologians point out that the Sabbath looks both backward and forward in time, rooting us in God. Let me explain this. The Sabbath looks backward in time as, an, kind of an, as the aftertaste of the Garden of Eden, a time when Adam and Eve literally took walks with God in the garden. The Sabbath is an invitation to walk with God again. Can you imagine walking with God? This is the invitation God gives to us on the Sabbath, to walk with him. The Sabbath also looks forward in time and is a foretaste of the new Jerusalem. Our own Sabbath meals give us a taste of that time which is coming where we will gather for the wedding banquet around a table with a multi-ethnic family of God from all tribes and tongues, a a place where brothers and sisters bound together around Jesus come together to honor him, Jesus who is both the host and the honored guest, where we eat with him the bread and the wine, where we give thanks and sing and laugh and dance and celebrate and revel in the sense that Jesus is here with us and we are with him. So we both look back to this moment when we walked with God and we look forward to this time when we will sit with Jesus at the wedding feast looking back and forward to what God is offering or inviting us into. This Sabbath is a space where we we practice or participate in the eternity of God. Here's what Abraham Joshua Heschel said. Unless one learns how to relish the taste of Sabbath while still in this world, unless one is initiated into the appreciation of eternal life, one will be unable to enjoy the taste of eternity in the world to come. The essence of the world to come is Sabbath eternal, and the seventh day in time is an example of eternity. And what makes the Sabbath a joy is not just good food around a table with family and friends and time off to rest and reflect and delight. What makes Sabbath a joy is God himself. That the invitation is that we can come and meet with God here. That we can come and meet with him. God is who we crave in our very being. See, the danger, last week we spoke about delight. 
the third move of Sabbath, the, the, the move of delight. And the danger of last week's teaching on delight is that the enemy is constantly at work trying to take some good teaching and, and switch it from the reality that God wants to give to us into a parody of what we think God wants for us. We can be easily confused in our hedonistic culture into confusing a Godward day of delight and joy where we find delight in Him to a place where we just are self-centered in our pleasure, where we find delight only in ourselves. Anyone who has ever tasted of true delight as the, the Creator intended for the creation knows that there's a chasm of difference between delight and hedonism or simple pleasure. Delight is meant to draw our whole being to God, to have us focus on Him, to gain our delight from Him in gratitude and joy. Delight draws us into worship. This is what, how Dan Allender puts it. He says, For six days I wrestle with a world under the toil of the curse, soiled by the oil of humanity's commerce, deeply longing for the bright wings of the coming dawn. And each day at best is a repetition of the day before unless the next day is the Sabbath. It is the queen of all days, the day in which division, destitution, and death are put aside to celebrate our union with God, the abundance of his love, and the wild hope of the coming kingdom. The Sabbath is a day that's meant for worship, to connect with our God, to see him face to face and to be with him, to walk with him and to celebrate with him. The, the social critic David Foster Wallace uh, has a fantastic, it's a longer quote here, but just bear with me as I go through this. It's just quite a good look at worship. He says this, In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly and when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship prayer, you will feel weak and afraid. Worship, worship power, sorry, not prayer. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to keep your fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out, and so on. Look, the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful, it is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day. Isn't that crazy? Default settings. It's true, we all worship something. We're all longing for something. We're all running after something. We all fill that hole in our lives with something that we hope will actually satisfy. And the question, question isn't, do you worship? It's what or who do you worship? And people say that you become like who or what you worship. So if that is so... What kind of person is our worship forming us into? 
We all worship something. We all orient our lives around something, put our faith, hope, and love onto something, find our identity, community, and sense of meaning and purpose in something, pursue it, sacrifice for it, discipline ourselves for it. The question is simply, what are we worshiping? The Sabbath is a day that invites us to recenter ourselves on our Creator God. All week long, the false gods of the world lure us out of our orbit around God in a kind of gravitational decay, pulling us away from Him, invisible yet powerfully pulling us down. These things that we encounter all week long, they promise us rest, a sense of joy, satisfaction, identity, community. Yet all they give us is the incessant weariness and emptiness of soul that the Western world has honed to perfection. It's like, it's like that is what we put up as the thing that is all, all we are all about. It's like if the reason for our existence in the Western world is, is, is wealth and health and all these things that ultimately are going to leave us wanting. The enemy is always working on getting us diverted, discouraged, disoriented, distorted. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does this by taking our eyes off of God. When we worship created things, we become the same as the slaves who were in Egypt. But on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, we come back to what the Quakers called our holy center. We come back to focusing on God and putting him right in the middle. We come back to this space within ourselves where we reorient ourselves around Jesus. Where we draw on the life at the heart of the Trinity itself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and where we get our life back in return. When we set apart the Sabbath, we set ourselves apart as the children of God. Saying again, God, you are true and you are right and you are a heavenly father and we are your children. We are no longer slaves. We are your children. The Sabbath is a day for worship and worship recenters us on God. And like the Israelites coming out of slavery, God has given us the Sabbath to retrain us out of slavery and into freedom. So we set aside one day a week for the special purposes of God, calling that day holy, uncommon, set apart for God's purposes, where we stop, rest, delight, and worship. Why don't you guys come on up? I'm just going to pray for us for a moment, and then we're going to go into our closing hymn. So why don't you stand with me for a moment just as we prepare ourselves I'll, I'll give a benediction after the hymn as well, but let me just uh, pray for us here for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we, we come together to get today to, to take our eyes off of the busyness of life, to, to stop worshiping food and, and wealth and health and all the things that we could, all these created things that we could focus on. We take our eyes off of worshiping all the other stuff, the gods of this age. And we set our eyes on you, Jesus. 
we again say, you, you, Heavenly Father, you are our Father and we are your children. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and move in this room to just remind us of who we are, that we are in you, Jesus, that we belong to you, Father, that we are loved, that we are cared for and provided for, that we belong to you. And as you convince us, Holy Spirit, of who we are, that we are God's children, help us then to, to return the joy and the, and, the, and the gladness and the delight that we feel in worship to you. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and pray these things in your wondrous name. Amen. I just bless you, church, to know that you belong to your Heavenly Father to know that you are in Christ, to find your identity in Him, to be filled to overflowing the Holy Spirit as He develops within you the character of God. And I bless you, church, not only that, that, that uh, you would find uh, a space to stop, rest, delight, and worship as a day of Sabbath, but that that Sabbath day would then help you to walk that way throughout the week. That we would on Monday and Tuesday still be the people of God, the children of God that lean into our Heavenly Father who have come out of the the Sabbath day full of energy and ready to take on the world and, and go out into the world and to establish the kingdom of God. I bless you to walk in the way of your Heavenly Father, to hear His voice, to see His face and to walk in his empowerment and equipping. And I bless you as you set apart space, in your, even in your day, to meet with God. So may you be honored and, and glorify Jesus Christ by all that we say and do. We ask that you would go with us this week and continue to reveal to us your character, your nature, and help us to experience your presence every day. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, you're dismissed. There are going to be some people up here at the front that would love to pray with you if you've got a prayer request or you just want someone to, uh, to stand with you in encouragement. There's going to be a couple of people up here in doing that. Uh, but just meet somebody new today. Meet somebody new and bless them in Jesus' name. You're dismissed.